I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, May 13, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We had action today. What do we have on the docket? A, we're going to learn some stuff guaranteed. B, we're going to talk about some downside potential targets, and I emphasize the word potential, and that will become more clear as this episode goes along. Let's leave the pleasantries and the niceties for the non-traders, and let's rock and roll. What's the first thing that jumps off the page on the daily chart? Well, there's a couple of things. There's a lot of things. We're going to spend some time on the daily chart. First thing that jumps off is the 20-period moving average. So they spiked it today. They cut through it like a hot knife through butter closed below. Fair enough. Where do they go to? They went to an area that we talked about. Here's a pivot low. The low was 279.13. We talked about the fact that if they closed below this low, that would bring the next step in the southern direction into the fold. But on the first run, how likely is it that they're going to close below an important pivot? Well, obviously it can happen, but if you use the standard garden variety 80-20 rule, 80-20 rule says that the majority of the time, they're not going to close below that low on the first run. So we have that. Write that one down. Put it on a sticky note. We're going to get back to that. For now, let's stay on the daily chart. We also have an apparent rollover taking place. So you have what's called a rolling top taking place. Failure to make new highs, the market since rejected, and here we are. But there's something that we discussed probably maybe three or four times beginning last week. There's your head and shoulders pattern. We began discussing this before the right shoulder was formed. I think we flagged it somewhere in this neighborhood here after they made the neckline apparent. We were projecting, there's nothing you can do with that at the time. It's in the spirit of being pre-prepared. Now what? So the neckline triggered, so we have a couple of things on our hands. A, we have to have a downside projection on where this market would go if, in fact, the head and shoulders pattern played out. Now, in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, I teach you how to come up with the projection. For the purposes of this video, we're going to cut to the chase And we're going to say that this pivot low right here is going to be important coinciding with, and we talked about this one as well, coinciding with the 50 period moving average. So let's just say they do something similar to what they did today. They spike through it and then they rally back to close above it. So the spike through is down here somewhere south of 270. Let's just say in that ballpark. That would be the target if the head and shoulders pattern played out to perfection. We'll take it off the table and we'll have a different discussion. How often do these play out to perfection? Well, I don't have a percentage, but they certainly play out. But here's the deal. The point in time when the media begins discussing, I don't know whether they have or they have not. I'm really not paying attention. But what I can tell you is the more it becomes discussed and a thing, the less likely it is to actually happen. 
There's the neckline again. However, it did trigger, so we go with the assumption that it will play out until and unless they do what? Until and unless they recapture the neckline. Now, under normal garden variety market conditions, they'll also rally back to run a test of the neckline. That's at the point in time which it's make it or break it. It's showtime for the bulls. Can they get back above the neckline? If they can't, the market falls back away and the thing ends up playing out over the course of, let's just say, a few days. Could obviously happen quicker, but that's generally the schematic. What happens if they get above the neckline and close the day above the neckline? In fact, what happens if they begin closing hourly during the day above the neckline? I would be long the market if that happened. Where exactly is the neckline? I think it's worth knowing. Well, it's a moving target because it's a trend line that goes from bottom left to top right. So over the course of time, each and every day, it's a different number. It's a rising trend line. What's the ballpark number? Just north of 285. Interesting how that number continues to come back around. Let's take a gander over at the volume, and we did have an increase in volume, so there certainly was institutional participation as the market sold lower today. That's typically an indication that it's a little bit more than your garden variety sector rotation slash profit taking. The institutions were selling the market. Speaking of numbers, by the way, we had an interesting number today. We're going to run through the commentary of Inside the Numbers. An interesting number that was on the board today, and it kept repeating over and over and over again, was 281. When we go down to some other charts, we're going to come back around to an important spot, and we're going to see why that spot was actually important for a different reason on a different chart. It was that pivot low from the daily chart. Now we're going to take a look at a different chart and see something entirely different, but supports the case that they're not going to give it up that easy. What you're going to see in the notes, primarily in the afternoon session, after a donut hole, and we'll get to that in a moment, but what you'll see in the notes is not only 281 was important, but you'll see this trader finding reasons why shorting the market further for further decline was not necessarily the highest probability trade on the board leading into the end of the day. I probably gave my traders in here four or five reasons why throughout the afternoon session. This morning, after a decline last night, the market fought back, had a nice recovery going. Then we had the Fed Chairman Powell speak at about 9 o'clock in the morning. The futures declined, and the day pretty much got underway from there. What I'll do is let you read the notes you can stop the video at your leisure. I'm going to scroll up and I'm going to point out a few important things. First, we want to note, and this is also posted before the opening bell in the early thoughts, 2840 was certainly a spot that we had to be aware of. That was going to be a bull bear battle. You know the routine? While it's fresh in our mind, let's take a look at the S&P E-mini futures contract. Everything to the right of the vertical line is today's activity. So you see what happened. Right at the opening bell, they dropped them into what? 2840. Was 2840 support? Yes, it was. Was it on the board before the market opened? Yes, it was. Did they give it up? Yes, they did. You also saw something in the notes about 2870. What's the high here? 2868.75. That's pretty close. 
You see here down toward the bottom, the early look at the gateway to higher numbers is about 2870. If they paid a visit up there sooner than later, it should represent overhead resistance on the first pass. Price got there at 1035 in the morning. That note was posted on the board at 920. We're always aware of the morning shakeout, so we know about the morning shakeout. We let them do the shakeout. We don't need to be participants in the shakeout. There's going to be meat left on whatever bone they want to provide. Let's continue on, let you read the rest of the notes. I just want to point out a few things along the way, such as SPY 281, that you'll start to see come up over and over and over again. However, before we get there, you'll also note that I mentioned a donut hole before. So what happened, and this always happens, and we'll get there in a moment, you'll see that I mentioned Murphy. Who's Murphy? It's Murphy's Law. And by the way, until we get there, I urge you to read all the commentary, then go back to the chart to see what happened after the commentary. I think you'll find it rather interesting, and if you're at all an active trader during the day, you'll want to know this information. It's helpful. I'm quite certain of that. Let's see if we can get to the point in which I had to leave the game. I had a meeting. I had an appointment. And the market was doing its thing. We had the morning pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. Didn't do anything of a surprise. And you'll see there in the 105 post, who knows Murphy? Let's go back up a little bit and you'll see what happened here. So 11.05, I had to really leave. So I make the final post back around 1.30 or so. The final post was, hey, they put in an hourly chart tail candle. They're in the middle of a retracement. We can buy the retracement against the low, meaning... Break of the low, certainly an hourly close below the low, but if they start getting much below the low, you, th you know things are going bad. Anyway, it was posted as we're in the risk business. I'm willing to put on the risk, but I got to go and I apologize in advance if something happens. And we know where the spot was, at least the first spot, was the overnight lows. In fact, they went a lot lower than the overnight lows. It turned out to be somewhat of a woodshed day and I was out of the business. I was in the car with no clue whatsoever. Enter Murphy. So therefore, a donut hole. We just pick up where we left off or where I left off. SPY 281 is the bogey right now. Soon as I sat back down, I saw it as clear as day. Back to the SPY, that post was about 105 right here. So they were already back and forth with 181. I saw it from a different perspective from a different chart or multiple charts. But nevertheless, you can see that was in fact the afternoon pivot. Now, the other thing we want to do is want to go over a little bit of a lesson that I've done before. But if you're new here or haven't seen me or heard me do this before, I think it's worth its weight in gold. So let's keep scrolling and we'll get to it in a moment. Also, you'll notice a couple of other things. 2.30, I want to start in with an awareness. The earlier low was 279.61. So let's just say that they spike it. What I'm saying is they may or may not go much lower from here today. Now keep in mind the thought process. I can't say they won't because I don't know whether they will or they won't go lower. What I can do is I can look at the charts. I can read what I know how to read and I can use the experience to come up with the highest probability scenario based on everything I'm looking at I don't know, but I can use the experience and the knowledge and the charts to say, hey, 
using the 80-20 rule, here's what's likely to happen. Here's what's not likely to happen. Here's what I've seen a million times before. So here it goes. Something we discuss from time to time in the videos. Trick and Company, that would also be known as the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew, has one up their sleeve where they spike the low, get all the bears on board and excited, meaning they get traders to short in the hole. They're shorting when the market's already down a lot. Then issue a pie in the face and rip the market back up north to shake them out just like they do in the morning. Do know if they will. It should be don't know if they will. That's a little bit of a typo. I'm working fast on these commentaries sometimes. Just that they do. Just saying. There, I fixed that typo. I have OCD and I found it in real time. That's what happens on live TV, but I still had to fix it anyway. So that was an attempt to say, hey, be careful on the short trade. 302, they came down to test the low. They didn't quite spike it. They came within a couple of pennies, but there's your rip your face off rally I was mentioning. So that was the first attempt. So what exactly am I talking about? Well, let's move this over and I think I can illustrate it quite easily. So here's the low we're talking about from the midday session around lunchtime when I was not here. And then the retest and what gets traders all excited like they're going to collapse. It looks like a meltdown is coming. So they hop on board on the short side. Right here is where they tested the low. The low here is 279.67. The actual low was 279.61. So they came within six pennies and they ripped the market back up all the way to a high of 281 and a quarter. Mysteriously, just over 281. Funny how that works. Then they did it again. This time they did spike the low and they did the thing that I discussed in the commentary to a T. And there, my friends, is the second issued pie in the face. And the market closes above 281. Doesn't mean they will or won't gap down or up in the morning. It's just that they fought back to a number that they fought all afternoon long. So I take that at face value and say, hey, the number's important. So this is a puzzle piece and it's on the table. What's the difference between a pro trader and an amateur trader? And we're all really amateurs at heart. But there's a distinction between what's the difference between the person that knows what they're doing versus the person that gets FOMO, sucked into the trade, Johnny come lately, all that stuff. The difference is this. And here's an example. This is not what I'm doing. This is not what I have currently. It's just an example. Yesterday, we talked about the market breaking down when it was all the way up in this neighborhood up here. The exact price slips my mind at present, but you get the concept. And here's the other part of the concept. Pro traders are not trying to short the market when it's already down 100 handles on the S&P in a day. They may scalp some retracements and things like that, but what they're trying to do is exit at important spots. So as an example, let's just use 100 shares of anything as an example, and let's use a hypothetical thing. So you short the market up here, and you do it in either halves, thirds, or quarters. Halves, you're taking profit somewhere here, half the position, and you let the rest go. If it does go in your favor, you just move the stop into the money and continue to, at least in your mind, you trail the stop along the way and you look for another exit. If you only have one exit, for example, let's say you had two S&P contracts and you sold one, so you only have one left. You only have one trade left or one exit left, so you have to pick a price. But if you do it in thirds, you have two left. 
If you do it in quarters, you have three left. And you exit along the way until what? Until the market takes you out because the market reverses. And if you're trailing your stop along the way on that last what's called trailing position. So in a case of 100 shares, the last 25 shares in this hypothetical example would be a trailing position. So sometimes you'll get a huge win out of that position and sometimes you're going to get stopped out somewhere, but it's already in the money long in a profit position. It's just a matter of you're trying to squeeze that last trailing position for as much as you can. But a pro trader never has a full position at final target. And by the way, sometimes they have no idea what final target is when entering the trade. But what they do know is what the first target is to take a portion of the position off to get a profit in their pocket. Did we even finish this stuff? Let me scroll up to the remainder of the day and you can see here talking about the pie in the face. I basically end the day a little bit before the close because who knows what's going to happen into the close. They're either going to kill them or they're going to rip it up into the close and somewhere in here I already said that. It's just that one of those things where the writing is on the wall more often than not. Again, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. Stocks on the move today. We have to take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll take a look at Z-O-K-E and CyberArk, C-Y-B-R. Those are the three that hit their price objectives. We'll take a look at the charts. We're going to come back to the SPY because there is another chart that I want to show you of importance that did play into what happened today. One of the reasons why it was very difficult to see more southern direction price action today into the end of the day. Here's Z. Came close. They played games with the number, so maybe the number was wrong. Either way, you see what happened. It just isn't the same trade, A, in the afternoon, and B, certainly When the market changes character halfway through the day, the market was getting killed. Trades or stocks that come into their price target, while that's going on, it changes the scope of what's going on from what is going on in the morning under normal garden variety conditions with stocks on the move. So technically it did the deal, but this isn't the type of trade we're looking for. OKE, we need to discuss this one because I got a handful of emails on this, so it's worth going over. Let's do it in detail, and I think you'll get the point after the fact. There's actually a lot of stuff going on here. So yesterday's close was at 32.95. Here comes a little bit of a buzz cut at the open, creating an opportunity. 31.50 was the number on the board, and this one also played some games. They came close to the second number, they went back up, they did the deal, but they came back in, and you can see the importance of these two numbers. But here's the thing. Once they did this with the second number, coming from 31.03, it's really within 8 cents. It's too close. We have to put that in the memory bank for when they come back around, and if they come back around. But the market bounced up. They did the deal. They went up to 32.05. It's not a great deal. It's not a triple or a home run, but guess what? 50 cents on a $31.50 trade or entry point is reason to take profit. Therefore... Once done, you can't let the remaining portion of the position go negative on you. That's kind of what we just discussed before. It's part and parcel to what we just discussed before. 
So if you did the thing where you take a portion of the position off, the remaining has to be out when the stock comes back down. You get stopped out of a portion. So what? You still made a profit. That's part and parcel to running it as a business. Then what happened? Look at this. The low here is $30.96. $30.95 was the entry. You might say, what's a penny between friends? Well, guess what? Look what happened. They ripped the market or OKE higher from a front running by one penny. What's front running? It's when traders jump in ahead of the price. So they did the deal again. This would have been the ideal trade, right? From $30.95 in a matter of minutes up to $31.72. Another great trade. Base hit, double, whatever you want to call it. I'll take those all day long. They come back in. Now, they've already been at the price they missed by a penny. Do you want it the second time? No, you don't. This is what I like to call sloppy seconds. I know I get some flack when I say that, but this is an ideal opportunity to use the term. Why? Because look what happened. The stock went lower, which is why you don't want it on the second turn. It's a one and done type of business. You go back to the well too many times or take too many bites at the apple and you're bound to bite into a razor blade. CyberArk, here's the deal here. So the stock comes down after getting the buzz cut and it comes up short and it rallies away. Again, this negates the $100.80 level. It's not saying, or I'm not saying, that it can't work. We've seen it work over and over and over again. It's just not the same trade that it would have been had they come straight into the number from the open or within several candles. It's not a mystery. I discuss this all the time. What about the second level? Why didn't that work? The market was getting taken out behind the woodshed, and it's just a simple function of a rising tide lifts all boats, and when the tide goes out, you get to see who has no clothes on. They ended up rallying back to the second number, at least giving you the hint that the second number was, in fact, important. Why else would they rally back up there? They made an attempt over here, they fell back away again, then they came back. It's in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. Great day for stocks on the move? Not so much. How about for the tour guide stuff with the S&P 500? I would say that was pretty spot on. You never know what the market's going to hand you. That's why we show up in uniform, ready to go every single day. So now that I'm done blabbering about that, I wanted to show you the hourly chart of the S&P 500, in this case, the SPY. Why is that? Remember the pivot low from the daily chart, 279.13? That's the same spot over here on the hourly chart. Now, the hourly chart 200 period moving average happens to be in the same spot. They came into it from far away. It's also an important pivot on obviously both the hourly chart and the daily chart. So are they likely or unlikely to slice through that 200 period moving average like a hot knife through butter? And the answer is unlikely but here we go again with they obviously could have and that's why i can't come out in the notes and say hey you can just buy the market here at the 200 they're definitely not going to slice through it i don't know that what i can do is tell you based on experience based on what i see on the charts what the highest probability thing is and that's what i attempted to do and that's pretty much where tricking company came in they were the crew sitting right around the 200 period moving average they had buying power. 
What's going on over in Camp IWM? Below the 20 period moving average, hit the 50 and bounced off of it. Another pivot, same pivot that we just discussed in the SPY. So it's really just a rendition of the same thing for the most part. Obviously, both charts aren't identical, but it's the same concept. When the market's down big or up big, it's all the same market. A rising tide lifts all boats. When the tide goes out, who's got no clothes on? Make a pretty good case. This is somewhat of a breakout area. Also, pretty sure we talked about that at one point or other. You have a gap down here. So nothing's to say that they can't come down to one or the other. And it's debatable. Where is the breakout area? This is where it's part art form, part science. I can't tell you to a penny where a breakout area is on this chart. Some other charts, we might be able to narrow it down, certainly. But not on this one. Favorite market leading indicator? Leading the market down. Favorite leading market indicator, also the market leading indicator, looks different on the intraday short-term charts. Don't think I didn't see this either. Just take a look at this chart from the bottom and then look at the SPY chart. It doesn't look the same. The IWM was rising and the SPY was making a new low before it rallied into the end of the day. Hey, you doing? Just because I'm not talking about it doesn't mean I'm not watching it. What's going on down at the transportation department? Our favorite canary in the coal mine, second favorite market leading indicator. Need I say more? This was in fact the canary. Now you don't know until after the fact, but this is why I bring it up over and over and over again. So when we see these things in advance, we're what? We're on guard. We saw the shenanigans here. We saw the rally up above the moving averages and then the failure. We saw what's going on. We have a lower high in place. The market was weaker. The IWM was weaker than the S&P. We talked about this every single day. It was, in fact, the canary. And it's certainly easy to discuss playing Monday morning quarterback. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? What's going on with the Qs? This is interesting. It's still the lead dog. We're still above all the moving averages. And check this out. They didn't even touch the 20-period moving average. Guess what? Here's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Let me ask you this. Do you think they will or they will not fill this gap over here that comes in at 215.22? Under normal garden variety conditions, they should fill the gap. They had an opportunity to do it today. They also had an opportunity to go lower today, and they didn't. Instead, they finished well off the lows. I would say that's a puzzle piece, and it's also on the table. How do you feel about that? XLF, no surprises here. Without the financials, you know the routine. The market's not going anywhere on the upside. And if the financials are declining, it's likely the rest of the market is declining too. So this was a good leading indicator. It went to the spot we talked about. The next spot we talked about is filling the gap down here at roughly below 20 bucks. That's if we don't get a quick turnaround in all the markets, like for example, tomorrow. Another down day will fill that gap. Does anybody think the market trades or doesn't trade technically sound? Well, it does trade technically sound. It's just a matter of whether or not you're looking at the thing that's actually active and operating at the time. Well, here's a gap, and the gap happens to be at 128.84. Low of day today is 128.77. We're at good old smash mouth. They fill the gap, bounced off of it, but they closed below the 100 and the 20 period moving average. Second day in a row for the 100. That was a pretty nice reversal day yesterday. Now they're below the 20, filled the gap. Do they have to be done on the downside or can there be more? Let me point you to something else. Everything I just discussed was pretty much in the bearish camp. So I had you thinking about 
bearish stuff. Take your bias, check it at the door, and think for both sides of the tape. Be the umpire. Low, higher low, higher low, higher low, higher low. Doesn't have to be done yet. I understand everything the news is saying, everything's grim. It always happens like that as soon as the market's down one day. The first day the market's back up and everything's rosy again. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is all true and accurate information. This is a pretty good place to pull the ripcord. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.